Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. Peace and blessings, love and light, and welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin-Raymond. I am a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves mind, body, and spirit. And again, welcome to 2022 and to our second season of the How Now podcast. If you are new to listening to the How Now podcast, please make sure that you go to my website, www.hownowpodcast.com. That way you'll be able to see my latest shows and you'll also be able to see some of the shows that you may have missed in replay. You can also find the link for my How Now YouTube channel. So you can check out the shows, check out my wellness journey that I've been on since Labor Day of last year and find out what's been going on with me there. Again, that's www.hownowpodcast.com. So let's get into this evening's show. I'm so excited for the guest that I have who is who will be uh, presenting and talking uh, to us this evening about who do we see when we see ourselves? Well, who do we see when we see me? Okay, so before we dive into this topic, I, as is customary with the How Now podcast, I'm going to ask my guest to introduce herself at this time. Hello, Kim. I'll start by saying thank you for having me and greetings mm-hmm. to all of your listeners. My name is Stacey Pollan. I reside in Atlanta, Georgia. I am an image coach style expert. I help female entrepreneurs uh, create self-care strategies and styling strategies that will help them to brand themselves so that they can attract the clientele that they are meant to serve. Awesome. Real, real, real to be here today. <laughs> well, I am delighted that you are here as well. I am so glad uh, to be talking about this timely topic, you know, because, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, when this pandemic hit, a lot of people had to sit with themselves. A lot of people had to make some pivots. A lot of people took time to rediscover who they were. And and I think a big part of rediscovering who you are is to be able to brand yourself as well, to be able to allow people to see that there may be some differences or changes in who they are. And, you know, just like I have people to introduce themselves because I want people to have an opportunity to, to present themselves to the world. It's not always what they hear, it's what they see first. Mm-hmm. And so I know that that's something that's critical in making sure that, that the person that we are is represented in what people see. So first I want to talk about, you know, a little bit about yourself and how you got into this field of, of uh, you know, being in, a, and I want to make sure I get it right. Is, is it, it's an image strategist? Into, I call myself an integrative image strategist integrative image strategist and then we'll talk about some differences between that and an image consultant too just so that that way people are clear but yeah tell us us a little bit how you got into that 
Well, you know, I took the scenic route. <laughs> it wasn't a straight shot from where I was to where I am today, as is life, right? I think we can all relate to that. But my professional career began as a classically trained opera singer. I, I dove headfirst into that world. It was not my choice, okay? <laughs> um, I had wonderful mentorship, had wonderful teachers who saw something in me at the time that I did not see in myself. Mm -hmm. And I had a talent that they cultivated and nurtured and curated. And it was a talent that took me all over the world. But in order for me to have that opportunity and to exploit that opportunity, opportunity to its fullest, I had to learn how to craft, how to cultivate an image that was worthy of the stage and also one that adequately and appropriately reflected who I was at the moment and who I was becoming. And I had the mentorship there. I had the teachers there who taught me how to dress, how to speak, how to sit, how to stand. And I took that with me even after I decided to sit music down and begin to pursue my career in medicine. I continue to carry that with me through my medical careers and I still uh, practice medicine now. But I took those tools with me through my dance career, which I still participate in now. So everything that I've done from music to medicine to dance, the imaging and styling tools that I've learned have carried me through successfully through all of those transitions and pivots. And that's really what started Urbanity a la Mode, the name of my company. Yes, Urbanity a la Mode. And I love that name. I love that name. And I mean, you know, so it's interesting because like you said, you've been through quite a few pivots. Like you said, for somebody said the opera into medicine and then into dance. And you're just like, what? And, 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 and each one ha has its own, you know, representation. And so just like you said, to be able to have a fluidity and, mm -hmm. and, and making sure that you don't lose yourself in it. Because when I think of certain things, when I think of opera, I think of the type of clothing that, that an opera singer would wear. When I think of medicine, I think of the type of clothing that a, and, uh, you know, a person in the medical profession would wear. When I think about dance, I think about that. And none of them <laughs> seem to have a fluidity. But the one thing that's, that's common is you. Absolutely. And being able to, to have that fluidity of saying that even though I've, I, I'm in each one of these areas or I've served in each one of these areas, I'm still who I am and how do I not lose that behind the, the, uh, the quote unquote uniform. Right. Or the, the quote expected uniform. Like you said, there's an expectation when you're in opera to look this way. Yeah. There's an expectation in medicine to look this way, dance to look this way, business entrepreneurship to look this way. And that's a concept that I talk a lot about. And I created a concept called the style continuum that really succinctly expresses that and that is that we all hold a primary style position okay. and I think sometimes we feel beholden to that style position that we can't move left or right but the style continuum gives you the freedom to say I recognize this is my primary position but right. I can explore other style positions so that no matter what what arena I'm in no matter what hat I'm wearing at the moment I can comfortably be myself and I can feel authentic, I can feel real and true to who I am, regardless of what I'm doing at the moment. So whether I'm singing on stage, 
whether I'm sewing up somebody's leg that they cut on a whatever, whether <laughs> I'm dancing, whether I'm working with clients, no matter what role I'm in, no matter what clothing I'm wearing, I'm still being true to who I am. Yes. And, she, and that's a beautiful thing. And I, because I think that there were so many limitations, just like you said, there's, there's always been this expectation or, 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 you know, this assumption that this is how it's supposed to be. And now with terms that we're hearing nowadays, you know, when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and we're hearing all of these buzzwords, and now people are, you know, be authentic and be who you are. That, that wasn't always the way that wasn't always the case. We were not always, we did not always have, you know, that freedom of expression, even though it was something that, you know, we heard of in, in the constitution, you know, it is our right to be who we are. And, and it was just like, eh, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Right? right. I mean, there was a time, you know, both of us sitting here, I'm sitting here with my locks, you know, that once upon a time, not too very long ago. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have been able to go up in there, you know, and, and, and you, they're all these wonderful head wraps that I wear all, that, all of these things. Oh, no, no, that, that was not something that was so readily taken. And so, you know, even though, you know, we were out there, we, we wore or we stood behind that uniform and made sure that things were tucked and put in a certain way so that that way as not to offend anyone or as not to, to seem inappropriate. Mm. And so I, I love that we're in a stage in, in, in our lifetime that, that we do have that expression and that we're able to, to have that expression a little more freely. So talk to me about you know, some of the people who seek you, you know, who seek you out or, or what it is that they're looking for when they come to see you. Sure. I would say the majority of the clientele I serve and the ones that I attract are female entrepreneurs. They're fairly well established, but they're in the process or in the period of transitioning to the next level of entrepreneurship. They're solidified. They've got their clientele, but they're ready to take things up a notch. And they recognize that image and style play a very, very important role in how they attract their clientele. So they wanted to create a strong image, a strong brand. But then when they get to me, <laughs> and this is why I call myself an integrated image strategist, I impart to them the importance of self-care because many of us are solopreneurs or we run small businesses and we are the business. We are the brand. There is no business if we don't exist. We are the centerpiece and the health and wellness of our business oftentimes rests on our own personal health and wellness. And so if we don't pay attention to that, if we don't tap into that, the business will not succeed. You cannot serve your clientele. You cannot perform at your highest level. And ultimately you burn out and you fail. And so those are the majority of clients that I work with, but certainly many occasions, Women are drawn to me because they're in a period of self-discovery. They're looking to reimagine themselves. They're looking to reinvent themselves. And as I always tell women, it's never, ever, ever too late to reinvent yourself. You can be 20, you can be 70. And if, it's, if the time is ripe for a reinvention, then you go through with that and you see it to its, to its end. And so I help women do that as well. But regardless of what camp they're in, I love to combine 
self-care and style because I think image and style development rest on self, a strong self-care foundation. You mm-hmm. cannot you cannot put clothes on someone and send them on the on their way and say they're confident, they're happy, they're they're, they're comfortable in their skin without addressing how they take care of their physical apparatus and how they relate to themselves emotionally. So the two work very beautifully together in tandem. I love that, and I mean, and that makes perfect sense. I love that you say integrative because that is what it is. It, it, just like you said, you can't just put the clothes on someone and, and expect that that those clothes make them confident or make their or transform them into something that that is not their base at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I love that that there's that integrative aspect to it. And I guess that's where where the difference is between an image consultant and an integrative strategist like yourself. There's, there, yeah. Talk sure. a little bit about that. Uh-huh. Of course, yeah. Their image consultants is a—it's a very, very broad umbrella uh, of those of us who have undergone training, not only for the clothing aspect, but for the branding, even on the corporate side of mm-hmm. image development. How you dress, how you present yourself, and there are elements of etiquette in that as well. But the reason why I wanted to call myself an integrated image strategist is because. Of course, I bring together style and self-care, self-compassion techniques and solutions, but I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my clients to understand that their style means nothing if they don't have the proper relationship with themselves. And if they can't self-correct, that's why I, I, I introduce self-compassion techniques, because I think as entrepreneurs, sometimes we can we can be so hard on ourselves. We work so hard to make sure that our business is a success. We work so hard to please our clientele. We work so hard to bring value to the marketplace. And in doing that, there's a lot of critical self-talk. There's a lot of, there's a lot of self-neglect. And if you don't know how to self-correct, if you don't know how to change that talk, change that relationship with yourself, it can be detrimental to your health and well-being and to the health and well-being of your clientele and your business ultimately. And that's the piece that the majority of image consultants don't automatically bring to the table. And then the other side of the coin is that you just have your general personal stylists and they're more of a do-it-for-you approach. Your clothes, establishing what your style is going to be, creating a rack, doing an edit, and then sending you on your way, which is one way of doing it. And it's a great way. That's what you're looking for. But image consulting is more of a holistic approach. I love that. (laughs) I mean, that that makes perfect sense. And I mean, I I definitely, I'm thank you for, for at least, you know, showing that, that distinction because yes, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, microwave society that we live in, in this instantaneous, (laughs) you know, society that we live in, uh, you know, it's a matter of, you know, you see so many people on social media and they're, you know, putting on all of the makeup and the layers and the, the clothes and the this and the that. And then, you know, when you take all of that off, you know, it's just like, ah, you know, who are you really? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I love that integrative piece in that it's allowing you to be who you are and, and, and that the things that you are doing image wise accentuate that. Mm-hmm. And and not take away from it, like you said, or not mask it. If we're that just going to be be right. frank about it, we don't. You know, it's not a matter of masking who you are. It's a matter of 
showing that representation. So I love that 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 you make that that distinction because that's what we want to get away from. We want to get away from from you know being that person who just you know looks the part, and then when we take everything off. We're, we you don't even recognize one person from the other. You know, it's exactly. fascinating to see, you know, when you're looking at social media, you see a person and they're just looking like death warmed over and they're all of a sudden they're looking all fly. And you're just like, wow, that was amazing. But that person eventually is going to take all that stuff back off. I want to look amazing on both spectrums. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't want it to be right. No. Say another piece, you made me think of something too. Another piece to that is when you see someone that's really well dressed and then and you and you make certain assumptions about this is what's so important about dress. You make certain assumptions about people based on how they present themselves, but it's it's a killer when you begin to get to know that person and you realize that there's no substance behind the clothing. There's nothing there. So the clothing was just whitewashed, but it's a real treat when you meet someone and they're beautifully dressed and then you get to know them and everything that they say, everything that they believe in, their ethics, their moral values, their mores, everything just bolsters what your eyes are feasting on. And it is a wonderful treat to see that. Oh, I love that. That gives me chills right there. I love that because, because that's true. And just like you're talking about, if you're helping entrepreneurs and you're talking about business, you you don't want the smoke and mirrors for the business either. I don't want you to show me something and or or to show me that you're coming at me a certain way. And then next thing you know, when I decide to go with your business based on what I saw and what I thought I saw. And then next thing you know, I get the product and it's nothing representative of what. So so you've you've deceived me not only in your appearance, you've also deceived me and what services you were providing too. So again, that's where that integrating and that cohesiveness needs to happen, just like you're saying, so that you're seeing that continuum and there's no, there's, I love love that. (laughs) I'm like, yes. And, And that's what we're talking about because if you're talking about authenticity, that's what you're talking about. There's no smoke and mirrors involved when you're talking about being authentic. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I love that. I love that, that, uh, you know, again, we're making that distinction because it's important for us to, to get to that space. And it all starts, like you said, with who we are, with our self-discovery. So talk me a little, talk to me a little bit about the process of how you, or or the, the type of questioning that you, that you ask to kind of help people to you know, start okay. initially. I mean, we're not, we're not going to give away everything because you guys are going to get to, to know her. And if you really want to know, yes, we're going to, we're definitely going to give her contact information that that way you know about. It. So we're not giving away all the goodies, but just, just to kind of put us in a mindset with, you know, of, of how you get them to that space of, of being able to identify that, because I think that's something that's difficult for people to do as well. Absolutely. I'm happy to share. I, and people will tell you, I'm an open book because I do this because I really enjoy partnering mm-hmm. with women on what I call their journey to self-discovery and style recovery. But it's a beautiful thing to watch that transformation. And like you said, in a, in a, in a microwave society, 
people want those results immediately, instantaneously, and it just doesn't happen that way. But if you rest comfortably, if you can quell your mind enough to rest comfortably in the journey and the process, it's a beautiful process. Mm -hmm. So how I usually start is with a series of questionnaires and there's a self-care questionnaire and a self-compassion questionnaire. The self-compassion questionnaire I think is my favorite because I think right now, we're, and the pandemic has done us a great service and we're kind of turning lemons into lemonade with this because yes. it's given us a moment to really focus on how much we need self-care. But I think the self-compassion piece we often forget. And I tell clients all the time, self-care is an activity. Self-compassion is an attitude. Self-care is an activity. It's something that you physically do to make your body better, your mind better. But self-compassion is an, is, an, is, a, is an attitude. It's the way that you treat yourself. It's the way you respond to yourself. It's the emotional relationship you have with yourself. So I often ask clients, you know, how do you deal with conflict? What, what's the normal tone of the self-talk that you experience on a regular basis? Is it negative? Is it mostly positive? When does it normally rear its head? When you're working, when you're at home, when you're dealing with the kids, when you're dealing with your partner, when, do, when does that talk start to, to bubble up to the surface? When we talk about style, I often ask them, tell me what your closet looks like. Is it like a tornado went through there? <laughs> or is it pretty well organized? Because that can clue you into someone who's living in the midst of chaos or someone who has, has it together to a certain degree. What colors make up the majority of your closet? Are you a colorful person or are you kind of muted? And if they're a bit muted, that tells me that they feel invisible or that, they're, that, they, that they maybe want to feel invisible. When they walk out into the world, they may not want people to see them. And on the other side of the coin, if they wear loud colors or they're more of a dramatic personality, is it because they're naturally extroverted or because they're lacking something and they're seeking approval or they're seeking um, desirability from the, or, from the outside world? There's so many juicy, juicy questions that we get into. And um, like I said, it's a process, yes. but at the end of that process is so much clarity, so much illumination. And then every client goes home with a set of self-compassion exercises. And at the highest level, the top tier client will go home with a personalized self-care strategy so that every morning when they wake up, they know exactly how to take care of themselves, mind, body, and spirit. And it's an easy, practical way to inject that into their life on a daily basis. I absolutely love that. I am fascinated. I am fascinated because like you said, you think somebody just comes in with the rack and is like, here, try this. Oh, that looks great on you. There's, there's so much more. And, and, and there's so many layers that you're talking about here. When you, you know, when you're asking those questions, when you're saying, okay, are you wearing the flamboyant clothes because you're seeking, you know, attention or there's something that you're not getting, or you're wearing muted outfits, like you said. Uh, you know, because you don't want the attention to be drawn to you. There's so much behind just asking that simple question. Uh, okay, what colors do you wear? Oh, well, I just wear red because red looks good on me. You know, people say it looks good against my skin. Okay, yes, that, that can be part of it. But how do you feel when you wear that? 
You know, do you feel empowered? Do you feel so? I love that you take that extra step because it's like, yes, because everything that people are telling you now that is what is your why? That's mm-hmm. a huge question. Everybody said, why? You know, and, 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 you know, everything, things that are biblical, everything tells us about, you know, be childlike in your thoughts, be childlike in, in how you ask. And what, what do children always ask? Well, why, 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 why? Everybody wants to know why. And, and being able to be clear about why it is that you wear the things that you wear. What was it that made you wear those things? It may have been that, well, I only wear black because I heard that black was slimming. And so I'm just going to always wear black because I'm heavy and I want to always look thin. So I'm, there's no other color for me but black. We have to definitely understand the rationale behind why it is that we wear the things that we wear, the colors that we choose, the things that we select. Just like you said, if your closet looks like a tornado hit it, <laughs> there, there may be some chaos going on. There may be some need for organization. And that may help you to think clearly about oh, now I can see what's in my closet. And now I can see, because some people may not be able to tell you, you know, that, oh, well, I have this particular color because they can't see inside their closet because everything is in a mountain <laughs> on top of the treadmill or hanging off the electrical. You know how it goes. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that that you recognize and that you allow your clients to see that there are layers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's definitely something that, that, um, you know, clients and future clients should be thinking about, you know, our listeners, you should be thinking about what, you know, think about some of those questions that she asked. What, what is it that, that is your why? And what is it that, that, uh, you know, attracts you to the things that, that attracts you to. Okay. And so then once they, once they've uh, been able to accomplish that, and then also, I'm sorry, I love to say that I like that, that you say it's a partnership. And that you are empowering. It's not that you're telling them what to do. You're giving them the tools that they need to be successful. And I think that that's huge too. It's about empowerment. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the entire name of the game. You give the client the tools, the information, the knowledge they need, and they take it and they, they run with it and take it to its end. As far as they can work it, they work it. And so I help them as best I can to exploit the information and knowledge that I give to them. Yeah. Yeah. So now do, once you do that, is it like a purging that takes place? You know, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's just like, you know, you go in your closet and you go, ah, okay. I was so wrong. You know, then what do they do? They just start throwing things. (laughs) You know? what happens at that point no it, it it really can be that way and sometimes well you know the the, the self-care compassion and style elements are happening concurrently okay and so there's a certain sequence to what's unfolding and what's developing on the self-care self-compassion part because we can't take that too far without talking about the styling elements because it kind of gets away from us but often clients will come to me and they're upset about the way their closet looks because they feel like they don't have anything to wear. There's nothing in there that properly represents them. But after we we begin to start working on the self-care compassion pieces, they go back into their closets and they're mad. They're angry because nothing in there is good enough for them. Mm. It's It's a totally different shift. Um, in the mind 
they're mad because at first nothing to wear. These clothes are ugly. I, I feel so frumpy, I, you know. And then when they go back after we start really doing some inner work, it's these clothes aren't good enough for me. They don't represent who I am. I need to, I need to start anew. Yeah. Wow. And you see, and that and that's huge. It's mm -hmm. huge. I mean, because, you know, we can't throw away our whole wardrobe. So we have to, <laughs> there has to be some compromise, I'm sure. And there's somewhere like, okay, maybe, yeah, I didn't like that. But maybe if I put a scarf on it <laughs> or a brooch, I just, <laughs> maybe that'll kind of, you know, and I mean, sometimes, you know, that has been the case. I've, I've, I've you know, just in, in transparency, I've looked at some of my things and been like, you know, what in the world made me buy that? I said, well, you know, no, it looked really good in the starting off. It was the lighting. And then I got home and was like, eh. and then next thing you know, you throw a blazer on it or you add an accessory or you add a statement piece. And all of a sudden it's like, yes, okay, okay. So sometimes, like you said, that mindset or that, that change in perspective can take something that may have been maybe not quite that fantastic and kind of takes it up a notch. Absolutely. And we call that um, rescuing clothing in the, in the okay. industry. You rescue it. Just like you described, adding a piece of jewelry, a scarf, a hat, a brooch, something like that can rescue a piece that you thought was just a lost cause, but it really wasn't. Okay. And oh, you had a person like me who's a shopper. I'm like, okay, oh, I can get rid of that and go get something else. Okay. Well, at the shop. Okay, great. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> to the store we go. <laughs> but I love that. I, I love that that there is a progression and it's not something that happens overnight, you know? And so I guess my question is that, you know, how can, how can, you know, people start making the transition or at least start, you know, looking at what's, what's a tip that you can give them in, in starting the process of looking into your wardrobe and, and kind of seeing where to go. I've got it. Go through every, item in your closet. And this is something I do also with my clients. We do a closet cleanse. I call it a closet cull because we pull things out and we keep what we keep and we give away what we give away. And um, the part of the process of that is, okay, it may not be in your, in your color scheme. It may not be the right color. It may not be the perfect fit, but it, it's doable. But the, the, the deal breaker is, does it bring you joy or does it not? Does it make you happy? Or when you look at it, it makes you frustrated, angry, disappointed. So I think a lot of us hold on to clothing for a number of reasons, sentimental reasons, nostalgia. Um, it represents a period of in our a period in our lives where we were happy or um, we were successful, or it, it has some meaning for us. Um, on the flip side of that, sometimes we hold on to clothing to remind us of how far we've come away from that thing. Whether it's like a weight loss journey, I'm gonna hold on to these size 12 jeans because I hope to get back to that. It's gonna motivate me to get back to that. Right. As opposed to celebrating the now, right now where you are. Yeah. And um, so I always say to clients, look at the clothing. If it doesn't bring you joy, if you can't extract any joyful experience out of that it needs to go and so that's a great place to start i think that that is fantastic advice because just like you're saying if you're hanging on to a size 12 jeans, it may be depressing every time you look at them and say oh no not today i can't fit in it today and i love that you say living in it now not just because this is the how now show but just because of that. yes living in the now 
just like you're saying, embracing where you are now, whether it is a smaller size or a larger size, it is, it's, it's important to embrace that now, because just like you said, you don't want to keep things that are saying, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, that negative self-talk, let me keep this extra size bigger because I might, you know, get big and have to get back into it. Or, you know, I want the smaller one and look, I may never get back there, but mm-hmm. You know, the whole thing also with style is that style changes. Suppose it takes you a whole year and that style is played out. I mean, things things eventually <laughs> recycle themselves. But <laughs> what if it doesn't? Or what if, you know, you were hanging on to those genie pants because they were hot this summer. And then next year we're in joggers and nobody's wearing genie pants anymore. And now you got these genie pants <laughs> and nobody's wearing them anymore. But you were hanging on to them. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense to make sure that that there's some you know, I guess there's, I don't want to say currency because I don't want people to think I'm talking about money, but that that your wardrobe, you know, is representative of the current style. And and I guess that I guess that becomes a question too, because you know, there are there are people out there who are eclectic. They mm-hmm. like that, you know, you, you have people who like the hippie style and the flowy style, or you have people who like the, you know, the goth style and things like that. So we don't want to take away from them either. So, so how do we address that in, in kind of saying, you know, we want you to keep your, your, your style or, or, you know, something that, like you said, brings you joy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that, that, uh... I think, if I understand your question, I think everyone needs to understand what the general knowledge is of, of dress levels, yes. which is, this is the appropriate thing to wear here. You would never translate that style to here. But within the parameters of that dress level, you can always inject a little bit of your own personality. And so if someone's wearing a dress for an after five event, and if they're, if maybe, maybe they're more of a classic uh, style personality, but you're more of, like you said, an eclectic creative personality, those two dresses should not look the same, but they both should be appropriate for the event. If you're going to a football game, you're in a casual relaxed outfit, but maybe the one person is a bit more city chic and the other person's a bit more dramatic. To- two totally different casual outfits, but true to the style personality of the person that's wearing the clothing. So there's always room to embrace who you are and to inject your own personality in the ensemble that you're wearing and at the same time respect, because that's what, that's what etiquette is all about, respecting mm-hmm. your and those around you respecting where you're going and the people that will be there by wearing the appropriate uh, dress and appropriate attire at the appropriate dress level. See, and uh, you have nailed it. That, that is the one thing that the, the buzzword, the keyword, the takeaway <laughs> that my goodness is appropriateness. <laughs> okay. Because that is, I think that is, that has been the one thing, you know, it has been the, the brunt of many jokes of many of these memes of all of these things that you see on social media, people wearing pajamas in the street and all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, can you wear the appropriate things at the appropriate time and not lose sight? You know, you can have your own personal style, but, but you wear pajamas when you're at home in your house, not at the Walmart or in the street, anywhere, people just walking around with pajamas on, and I'm like, ah, drives me nuts. Or like you said, you go to an event where you're where 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 you're paying 
you know, for, you know, it's a black tie event and you're in there and you're wearing flip-flops and you're just like, ah, those are the kinds of things that, that personally, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine. I'm like, you're not being appropriate. You're not wearing the appropriate clothes. You know, this is not, you don't wear this here. And so that, that I believe is, is the, the, the biggest takeaway, the biggest, you know, thing that people should keep in mind is that you be appropriate for the occasion. Mm-hmm. You would not go to work in your pajamas unless you are a pajama model <laughs> and that's what it's requiring you to wear. But, but just like you wouldn't do that, you know, it's, it's appropriateness on every level. Mm-hmm. You may be loud in the street and rowdy with your friends, but you're not going up in your church screaming and hollering and carrying on. So we know how to be appropriate in, 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 in different arenas. So why is it that we don't feel the need to be appropriate when it comes to our dress? You know what? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it makes me think about back in the day, mm-hmm. elders, you know, my yes. elders the ones I, I look up to so much, how they didn't have much. They didn't have a lot. They certainly didn't have the freedoms that we enjoy today. That's right. But when they stepped out of their homes, the men had their ties, they had their shirts, they had their trousers, the, their jackets and their hats. The ladies had their skirts, they had their stockings, their heels, handbags, didn't have much, but they were clean. That's right. Clothes were pressed. They looked appropriate every day, and regardless of where they were going, they could have been going to the bank or the grocery store to pick up the kids. And I think we've lost that. And I don't know where along the way we lost that. <laughs> I would love to get. A, I would love to impart a little bit of that yes. into our current generation. Oh yeah. Because I think back then they had a, There was a certain level of pride. They, they cared about their presence. And yeah. I think to them, it was all, it was like, this is, this is the most valuable thing that I have. You can take away everything else. That's it. But you can't take that away from me. That's the way it. I present myself to the world, and you cannot take that away from me. And that's I wish right. we could get a little bit of that back right yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. Because that's like, like you said, that's about dignity. We had, <laughs> we had dignity. Okay. And, and, and it's especially, you know, and, and speaking to our African-American counterparts, you know, how, how we are perceived or how we are received is based on what people see. People see us and, and, and if we wanted to, to be respected or to be treated in a certain manner, we didn't dress a certain way that didn't evoke that, you know? And so, I mean, you, you make a, a beautiful point in, in speaking about that because it is, you know, there are too many people who are saying that they're they're misunderstood because of how they dress. You know, we see people, we see people that can be the most devout of Christians, and we see some women with the little short skirts and the and the you know six-inch heels, and, and it's just like, okay, yes, I understand, but but I'm looking at your clothing, and your clothing is saying one thing, and your mouth is saying something else. And so even though you look great in it and, and you're trying to be tasteful in it, it is just the impression that that people have and, and it's unfortunate because they should not be so shallow as to just look at you and base you know everything about you on your dress but that's what people do that's what they do and so you know it's it's difficult 
to, you know, to get away from that. And just like you said, yeah, where can you go nowadays to find a half slip? You can go to the drugstore. You might be able to find a pair of stockings and hopefully they got your color. <laughs> you got tights and leggings, but, you know, look, go and try to look for a sheer pair of stockings. Okay, make sure you're in a neighborhood where they got your color because they got a lot of taupe and, and nude. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real, people know. It is true, it's real. It is so true. I mean, I, I don't know the last time. I can't tell you the last time outside of J.C. Penney's or, or, or Macy's where you can find a half slip. You know, you better hope there's a lining in that dress. It's, it's just a totally different frame of, of being a totally way a, a totally different way of life that that uh you know our millennials and those afterwards are coming up in where just like you said that that appropriate dress people are coming out of their houses in pajamas so you know we we've gotten so far removed from that and 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 it is definitely you know hopefully in 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 getting back to this authenticity and getting back to this uh you know being able to to you know really have that self-expression that we get back to realizing that we're we're representing our families we're representing our lineage when i step out of my house i'm representing my household i'm representing my husband i'm representing my mother my father my generations before me and 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 i want that to be evident mm. You know, so so it's huge, and I'm hoping that we get back to that. That's a word, Miss Kim. There, <laughs> that, that that's that's what it is, right there. What you just said, and I and I I hope that in some way, those of us who are who know better, can set that standard for younger generations. Because what you just said, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that we get to that space. And, and, and that we, you know, make sure that, that what, what people see is really who we are and, and, and that they understand, like you said, it is a process. Mm -hmm. It is not something that's going to happen overnight. It is something that, that, you know, you don't, you don't want yourself to be, you don't want somebody to misunderstand or misconstrue who you are. And so you, with all the strides that we take to make sure that we speak correctly and that we have the proper education and that we're doing things like this, we should be taking those same efforts to make sure that we're doing that. And like I said, I love what it is that you are doing. I love what it is that you are representing and making sure that those layers are congruent and that we're working to, to make that entire person and not just what that person sees. So I am just thrilled that you have come and you have shared this vital information with us. And I definitely want people to be able to reach out to you so that they can have those questions answered. But before I ask you to give your contact information, because I know we're going to be wrapping things up, are there any other final words that you want to give to our listeners about about their image and things that they, uh, you know, can continue to do to, to start the wheels in motion for creating, you know, their image. I would. I just want to thank you again, Kim, for the opportunity. It's been a great chat. <laughs> and I'll impart to your audience that your image indeed matters. It matters. It is everything. I don't ever want you to think 
that when you walk out of your home that people aren't watching you. They are watching you. They're watching you. They're making judgment calls about you, whether you're trustworthy, whether you're reliable, whether you're professional, whether you're mean, whether you're hateful, whether you're nice, pleasant. And more importantly, younger generations are watching you and they're getting their cues from you in terms of how to comport themselves and how to present themselves to the world. So if we're gonna hold them to a standard, we have to first hold ourselves to a standard because they're watching us. And if we're expecting them to be better than we are, then we have to give them a reason to be better than we are. So if the onus is on us to set a standard so that they can later um, uh, surpass that standard. So your image, it, it matters greatly. It influences everything um, about your life and, and opportunities that will come your way. So really invest in your image. And if you do that in earnest, you your life and your world around you will change dramatically. All right. All right. Look, I, I, I won't say anything behind that because I want that to resonate <laughs> with our listeners. Okay. That's what it's about. It's about everything. People are watching. Okay. So First, I want to ask how people can get in contact with you. What is the best way that they can get in contact with you? So if there's more that they want to learn or if they want to, uh, you know, set up some type of consultation with you, if they're here in this area or if you do things abroad, how can they get in contact with you? Sure. Everything that I offer um, is offered virtually. So I work with clients locally and all over the place. So you can find me all across social media platforms my website, my Instagram handle, my LinkedIn page, my Facebook page is all the same, Urbanity a la mode. That's U-R-B-A-N-I-T-Y a la mode, M-O-D-E. And my name is Stacy Paulin. And I look forward to speaking with you if you reach out. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, that's Urbanity a la mode. And that's on all... Uh, social media platforms and your website as well Ur yes. Ur urbanity a la mode you are b-a-n-i-t-y-a-l-a-m-o-d-e and it will be in the description when the show airs so you will be able to get in contact with stacy and she will help you get to where you need to go virtually all over this world. So we're excited about that. Okay, one more question, of course, that I ask all of my guests is how you are living in the now. We are in this uh, interesting season <laughs> of our lives. And I always ask how people are living in, how are you navigating in this space? because that may be able to help others as well. So what are the things that you're doing to live in this now? I think one of the things I am trying to do, and it's not an easy thing to do, but I work on it every day, <clears throat> is to actualize the moment that I'm in right now. I'm, I'm trying not to think so much about what happened two minutes ago or yesterday or five years from now, or what meeting I have in an hour or what I have on the agenda for next year or next week or next month. I'm really trying to actualize the moment and trying to extract all the goodness and richness in the moment because I think sometimes our minds are going so quickly that life just passes us by. But if we can sit quietly enough just to, I can't, I can't put the correct words to it, but to extract to pull out every bit of joy out of every moment, I think we will be much happier 
and much healthier. So I'm really trying to do that. I can't teach self-care and self-compassion without doing it myself. So I do love to exercise and move my body. I love spending time with my family and friends and just trying to love on people because I think that's what we need now more than ever before. Yes, yes. And I love that beautiful, beautiful pieces of advice. I like that. Actualize the moment. All right, translation, live in the now, right? <laughs> All right. Well, hi, thank you so much for coming and imparting your wisdom and for sharing these uh, wonderful nuggets with us, because these are the things that are going to help to create conversations that are going to move us in spaces that are going to move us and educate us so that we can reach back and assist others. And, and you do it so beautifully and with so much style and panache. So I appreciate that. And you know, you are always welcome to come back and, and talk about other aspects of your now as we go along, because you know, that's where we are in this moment. And this moment is not tomorrow. So <laughs> we will definitely have you come back and, and share and impart more wisdom with us as the time progresses. Okay, and that will do it for us for today's episode of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. And until we see you the next time, I say peace.